This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Blue Monday podcast. Now in our fifth season looking into the exciting happenings of Ipswich Town Football Club, my name is Benjamin Bloom and you are tuned in to the midweek edition available each midweek, normally after a game this season, um, on video or audio. So for a sometimes irreverent but always informative hour or more of football conversation, make your Monday a blue Monday. Make your midweek, Joe. A blue midweek. Ladies and gentlemen, fresh from... Did you actually turn the lights on or were you in the crowd? Are you not celebrity was, enough? No, I was in the crowd. The pantomime people turned it on, including Hannah Spirit from S Club 7, ah. who claimed to be an Ipswich fan on stage with Rob Chandler. <laughs> and her great uncle played for the town, Eddie Spirit. Okay. And um, Mike McLean, who does... Who used to be on the big breakfast? And I remember Mike McLean. I think it was like, in the office Christmas special as one of the hosts yes, on that blind he, date thing, isn't he? Yeah. When um oh, who gives you extra? What's that guy yeah. called? That Howard. 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 That's it. There you go. Shagadelic oh, baby. <laughs> <laughs> you said it too soon. Can you name any other members of S Club Seven? Bradley, John Paul, and Paul, John and Rachel Stevens, John and Paul, Joe. George Ringo, um, Joe and Tina. That's all seven for you. Wow. How I won't go on to S Club Juniors. <laughs> there was one called Kelvin. Let's talk about football, Joe. Um, and we love um, we love firsts here on the podcast. And we've been going since 2015. And, Joe, we have a first. We have an we have... FA Cup win to talk about. God damn it. Just, just quickly, though, back to my celebrity spotting. Yes. I, when I was driving home... I guy pulled up next to me and I was I was just thinking out loud and a couple of a couple of beautiful people were in the car next to me and I got my camera out to take a photograph but it was the one and only Ed Sheeran was in the car next to me he was being driven though yeah now he was driving with was his he? Was, I, it a Range Rover, was it a Range Rover it was a, Sport it was a Bentley like the Jeep Bentley oh my god wow yeah so 
he was there. Exciting times in. The Have I told jams my good Ed Sheeran story on the pod before? I don't think so. No, I, I did a gig with Ed Sheeran. This must have been, oh god, 2009, 2010 or something. So I myspaced him. It was that long ago. I'll do this quickly in case I've told this story before. I said, will you come and play? It was in Chelmsford in the Bar House, I think it was called. I think it's changed name, right near the station. And I said, there's a slot and they want a solo guy. Um, and I knew of Ed. And he went, yeah, yeah, sure. Um, and we went and played. I, I played first. It was on a bill of four. He played second. And it's the first time I'd seen him. And I promise to God, he played about six songs from that first uh, plus album or whatever yeah. it was called there's about 10 people in the venue he was lovely he watched my entire set as well um had, had a little chat with him afterwards he was off to london to meet tinchy strider remember him um probably probably what inspired him wasn't it yeah well watching your set if, if i if i met ed again i'd say <laughs> well I, I don't know about you but i've got a podcast three times a week um yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what the hell you've done in the intervening years but um I've heard he's running a successful paper merchant. <laughs> but could he run a podcast three times? Probably could actually, the amount of um, yeah. EFL Cup games he's gone. But yeah, if I've told that story before, I'm very sorry because do you remember, was it Football Weekly where every time Max Rushton went on, he like would the tell host his of Jake Trevor, Richardson, Trevor Nelson oh, no. microwave yeah. story or whatever. So if I've just done that, then I'm very, very sorry. But um, all very exciting. We've got FA Cup stuff to talk about. Just quickly, Joe, you did the Football Manager special. The game is out now, is yeah, it? Yeah, it I think it came out early. I think Tuesday it came out, the full well, version. And what was the feedback you got on Twitter for the show? Because that was, I mean, that was kind of Richard's idea, wasn't it? That he was the yeah. kind of creative guy behind that. But uh, it's a bit different. And um, what, what was the sort of feedback? Yeah, it went, it went down really well. I, well, out of the people that listened to it, I'm sure there's probably a fair few that just fast forwarded through it once which it got a little fine. bit nerdy. But yeah, fine. no, the guys that listened to it, like I know sort of Luke, who sort of sends messages quite a bit, he, he he really liked it. And there was, there was a few others that were quite interested in the process and as to how it all works. So no, I, think, I think it was a success. So check that out. We had a spare week. We try and keep the stuff going. That was Joe and Rich this past uh, weekend. But Joe, this past Monday, there was somewhat of a... 2016-17 Ipswich Town reunion over in Dublin where the previous previous manager had one game to secure a Euro 2020 qualification for an Ireland team with David McGoldrick up front, Alan Judge on the bench and no less than Mr Jonas Knudsen or Knudsen people always used to, Noel always used to get me for not saying Knudsen so I'll say that. Um, what was your take on this um, reunion and, and this game? I did. I did think it'd be funny if Knudsen or Knudsen was going to come on and score a goal to de- to deny Mick the <laughs> chance to go to the Euros. But I thought Ireland were quite unlucky. I thought they were the better side, generally just letting a goal. But it, I'm sure you don't need to explain in great detail what the performance was like to Ipswich fans. It was one, try and keep it tight till sort of like the last 20 minutes, and then try and nick a goal in that last 20 minutes, keep it to nil nil, and they they were doing a good job and they had the better chances, but letting a bad goal and struggled from there. They just do not have any goals. And like David McGoldrick playing up front on his own and and it was on his own. There was no one near him. And you look through their squad, the strikers they had on the bench, Troy Parrott never played a senior game. So that there's a real dearth of quality in the Irish squads. But I, I, in the playoffs, they're going to struggle to outscore anyone because they just, like I say, they do not have any quality up front. What was your reaction to the ITFC Twitter feed being quite pleased that Mick hadn't won? 
I hadn't I hadn't seen that. What did it say? Yeah, oh, not not the official one. No, just just the, the hashtag. Oh, so, okay. oh God, no, that would have been controversial, wouldn't it? Yeah. But no, there was a general sense of mirth when um when Denmark scored. Um, do do we do we need to let this go now, or can you understand people um not wanting Mick to ever win another game of football in his life ever? Personally, I think it's a bit sad, but if people want to do it, it's their it's their prerogative, isn't it? I know some people's little um. They, they they couldn't handle Mick telling some home truth sometimes, but Mick took it far too far. And I could see why people fell out of him because I think even a lot of people that had a soft spot for him by the end had lost that. There's, there wasn't there wasn't a lot of love left for Mick come the end of his tenure here. And I think a lot of that was brought on by himself. Hmm. Um, one thing Mick never did was win an FA Cup game. And in fact, he did lose one at Lincoln City. So, Joe, we are off. To Lincoln City, um, an FA Cup first round replay. Um, Statman informs us on his brilliant Twitter feed at ChumpX3 that this is the third cup game in a row Ipswich have played, and that has not happened um, since the mid 80s. Um, so, Joe, I'm going to read through these. Um, if you have any little recollections of any of these games, dive in. Here is the fabled, I think, 14 games going back to the last win at Blackpool in um, January 2010. So, yeah, nearly, very, very nearly 10 years ago. Um, So, obviously, we don't need to recollect uh, last week or 10 days ago against Lincoln. But um, so that was the first one. Lincoln won one. Then Accrington won nil. That was a tad depressing. You were there, weren't you? Yeah, that was not a good day, that one. Um, Sheffield United nil one, where um, that would have been Mick and Chris Wilder getting to 80 minutes and deciding there's not going to be a replay and no one making any subs, right? Yeah, that was a that was a poor game. I think they scored just after half time. Good goal, that wasn't it? Yeah, was it Nathan Thomas? Was it, I think smack one, one in the top corner, didn't he? Um, the previous season is Terry Butcher's um, picked the carcass out of that one. It's a two-two draw. At home to Lincoln and then the 1-0 defeat on national TV away. Uh, previous to that was a 2-2 draw against Pompey. Is that the game where Tommy Orr concussed himself? I think it was. And I, in I, the I, replay, I what know. was the name of that Polish defender we had? Um, Peter Malachik. Peter Malachik. Dave used to call him Piotr, didn't he? On the pod. Yeah, yeah classic. Um yeah, so that was a 2-1 defeat. And then, speaking Ange- of... Angelie Maitland-Niles scored a good goal. That a bit that of a game. belter, yeah. Um, yeah, left-footed. He's done all right, isn't he? Um, the previous year, Southampton, the draw away that Dave says cost us because we got injuries in that um, away game to McGoldrick and somebody else, I can't remember who. I think that... McGoldrick and Hyam got in- injured in the home, in the replay. Oh, in the replay, which we lost 1-0. Uh Another two games. We've done a lot of replays in here as well. Preston won one, and then we lost three two. Jake Garner hat trick. Wow. Um, Alan G- Alan Lee came on a sub in that game for us. Alan Desmond <laughs> Lee. Um, January of 2013. We're back six years now. Lost two one to Aston Villa. Uh, January 2012. Lost three one. January to Hull. that 2013 Aston Villa. Paul Lambert, you'll always be scum. Ran rang out from the home fans. Wow. No, sorry. Rang out from the away fans. The Ipswich fans at Villa Park were singing that Interesting. there. Interesting. Interesting. Um, January 2011, 7-0 to Hull. 
um, Chelsea, who would have been managing them then? Was it not still Ancelotti was... or Hiddink or Benitez? I can't remember because it was Michael did... Ballack. Did he score a couple? Um, everyone scored. That was a few days before we beat Arsenal, wasn't it, in the semi-final? Freskin! Um So then you have Southampton again, who've popped up in this... Oh, well, we suppose we've played Lincoln four times. Southampton three times in this run. Um, we lost 2-1-2, two, two, and that takes us to the last win, 2-1 against Blackpool in January of 2010. So... This is what we are talking about, Joe. Not quite 10 years, but, well, a month away from being 10 years worth of FA Cup games. Um, right, here is the team. Um, and then we're going to have to have the inevitable squad rotation chat that we seem to have twice an episode, three times per week, Joe. Um, so, Holly in goal. Uh, Danassian, Wilson, Nciala and Kenlock across the across the back excuse me um as i understand mcgavin sitting with fusion Dazelle, is that right joe yeah yeah um george you left judge right Keane down the middle so looks like your preferred system joe talk to me about the personnel um and pick, pick out a few a few names maybe i don't think um we got you after brett mcgavin last play did we no, no, it was good to, good to see McGavin start. He did, he did well at Colchester, and it was a lot of times these games, they just come in, they do well in one game, and then that's it. But he actually, I think Stuart Taylor talked him up in the press conference, and he is very, very much like player. He sits deep, he gets on the ball, he's got a good passing range, long and short, he's comfortable on it. And I'd say it was really, really good to see him be given another opportunity in another game and sort of maybe push himself into that first team squad. Yeah. Um, who was I going to ask about as well? Um, Dizel, how close? Because um, he played for the under 20s very soon before. And I think Lambert had said since he'd got back at to the previous morning or on the day of the game or something. Yeah. Well, he played Tuesday night, but only came on for like the last five or six minutes. But yeah, but Joe, still the, got to the game travel, was in, do yeah, the game the was prep in and everything. The game was in Wickham, so he's obviously finished the game and then had to, I presume, probably go back to the team hotel, drive back to Ipswich, get in at two in the morning and get up to travel. But I'd, I don't know what time they'd have travelled up there. I'd imagine probably about lunchtime. So I suppose you had the morning off and sort of showed. And I I only listened on the radio last night. I was going to go, but sort of life got in the way, so I wasn't able to travel. But I've spoken to two or three friends that went and Dazelle was really impressive in the second half, as he was in the first tie against Lincoln. So he sort of dropped into that deeper role and was able to really start dictating things, which is good. He's sort of been given a couple of opportunities and looks like he's starting to take them. Some sense that he's taken, which is great news. Um, what is the sense of... I guess it was obvious Keane was going to play, but why play Judge and Georgiou, do you think? I think because we want to make 11 changes for the league game on Saturday... So you've got a squad, you've got 11 players crossed out and then just trying to make the best of what you've got left. We haven't got Jordan Roberts fit. We haven't got Freddie Sears fit. Ben Falami's away. So the only other striker we've got is Tyree Simpson, who's still very He was broad. there, wasn't he? He was on the bench. Mm. So it's a case of we need to play two attacking players and the attacking players were Giorgio and Judge. But it didn't sound like they supported in the, in the first half, especially, that Keane had a lot of support. I think we changed to 4-4-2 at one point and Judge went up front with Keane and 
but it's still when I saw that team, I, I sort of tweeted a re, sort of four five duh, 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 one because that was how it looked on the team sheet, and I think it may have played out like that. Mm, interesting. Um, subs bench. Oh, I can't pronounce this guy's name. Prishbeck. Prishbeck. Row Edwards. Amazuni. Wolfenden, uh, Hughes, who's going to get on, and Simpson, who you mentioned. So, some star power on the bench if you think um, Edwards and Wolfenden are fairly first teamers, aren't they? So, um, right, let's have a look at this. So, first half where um, even Paul Lambert admits that uh, Lincoln had the better of it. Hughes puts one wide, kind of opens up for him. Um, bit half hearted left foot, I don't think, on, on target. That was um, troubling the keeper too much. Um, Akinde's not going to have a very good game up front for for Lincoln, Joe. I think um, I think a Championship striker would have popped one of these in, but it gets between, really opens up, and Siali gets drawn in, and Kenlock's over at left back, huge huge gap. I think on stats bomb that goes down as a big chance, Joe. Yes. Yeah, it did look it because it seemed from the radio that it was they thought it was offside, and they seemed everyone had stopped for offside. But you look back at it and. I've only seen it quickly. I haven't actually paused it. But I was like, well, there's no way he's offside. But I haven't, I haven't sat there and done my VAR and drawn my lines on the screen and seen where his armpit was or anything. <laughs> so I, I may be wrong, but it looked like just a clear chance, just a big gap that opened up between the centre back and full back. And rather than take a touch and bury it, he's tried to hit it first time and just woefully dra- pushed it well wide. Um, maybe if anyone at the game can. Um tweet us about that one yet another example of something where you you can't tell where the overload happens when you're watching from a hard camera can you but you really can when you're in the ground um a couple of efforts blocked from andrade and toffolo yellow for denassian on andrade um in stoppage time however a, a little hint we get these from Andre Dezel, don't we? A little hint of Will Keane here. Brilliant turn. Um, drives forward, leaves defender on his backside. Tight angle and it's tipped over. Um, does this play into your narrative that um, we've talked about him being more a number 10 or a mm. joiny uppy striker and maybe he's miscast because he's such a tall man? Yeah, um, I, I think I saw a comment on Twitter or, and it was just like, oh, great feet for a big man. It's like... <laughs> Yeah, because he's because he's not a very good big man. If that makes sense, he's just got great feet. Because Cristiano Ronaldo of, and Gareth Bale are quite big as well, aren't they? Yeah, that's the sort of reason. And um, no, he's just. I'd, I'd, I'd be interested to see. He seems to be getting up to fitness, and I hopefully we'll, we'll get to see him alongside either Norwood or Jackson at some point. Because I think he seems to have played himself into a little bit of form, and he hasn't really had much much of a chance really up front on his own, up front with Judge or up front with Dobry. He hasn't had a sort of good run up front with another striker to actually play off and play with. Um, you keep um, going for this 4-3-3 type thing. We've had this in the past couple of games, haven't we? These these cup games. I mean, we'll talk about the the next games, but um, I wonder, now you've predicted this for a long time, fair dues to you, when this transition, and we said as well, 4-4-2 against some lesser teams, and you look at what we've got coming up, do you think we might actually see the transition keep your powder a bit dry because we'll talk about this at the end but it just popped into my head i think the one man you need to we need to it's so important to this is freddie sears if we can get freddie sears back fit i think that is that is when the, the change will happen because you're going to need to find a way of getting him into the team and i think that's the best way mm, interesting um second half akinde um 
it's a one-on-one, -on -one, but it's a tricky angle. And um, Thomas Holy's going to have a very good half here. He makes a nice and big, makes a good save down to his left here. Uh, James Wilson, who's a former Lincoln player, of course, um, kind of goal-saving flick away, um, <laughs> Phil said in his report, uh, to Akinde, who was arriving. So he probably would have missed anyway based on, <laughs> yeah. based on this performance. But uh, Payne has one tipped around the post. This is a good save, um, Joe, when you consider that is going in the corner. It's coming yeah. at a nasty... You, you know when the keeper's inside the post, but the balls come from outside and you can't quite judge. That looked like a good save to me. Yeah, and his body's in the way that it's coming through as well, isn't it? Low down, and he does what he needs to do. Let the bodies hit the floor. Let that as a tune. Um, El Mazzuni from McGavin, you've already mentioned this. So Dazelle then drops back. He's going to be the deep line um, playmaker now in that midfield. We get up to injury time, and this is Toffolo down the left with a frankly brilliant cross on the on the run right over by the byline. Stands it up. Tyler Walker, who's scored in the first leg, has come on now. He nods it down. It bounces. Um, you think Heskiff is never going to control this volley because it's bouncing up. Does a brilliant job with the volley like the cross is good the header back is good the volley's good and um the another, save is good <laughs> another really good save by yeah. by holly i mean it would be churlish for a game that i wasn't apt to say this looked like one of holly's better performances but is there anything in that well i think so because he's ultimately he's kept a clean sheet he's made sort of Three. one very good save at the end he's made two other good saves there weren't any dodgy moments. There was no crosses spilled, no dodgy kicks or anything like that that we picked up from the commentary. So, like I say, it didn't, it didn't sound like he put a foot wrong and it was a well-deserved clean sheet. Mm. Um, Hughes replaces Dizelle, um ready for extra time. So, um, you wouldn't blame <laughs> young Hughes for being the only person when that ball hits the net for thinking, oh, for Christ's sake, I thought I was going to get half an hour here, but I'm, I'm sure he's pleased. Can you tell us a bit about Hughes, um, Joe? Yeah, he's, he's uh, sort of. He, he was always an attacking midfielder. Generally, would almost play as one of the front three. Normally, coming in off the left flank, sort of can play on the left ten, sort of on the right hand right hand side. Great shot on him. Really, really powerful striker of the ball, and um, he scored that sort of amazing halfway line goal last season to beat Birmingham in like the 90th minute, and then he scored again from the halfway line in an under 23s game this year. But he had a really bad injury in about April last year, sort of bad knee injuries and then sort of right at the end of the season and but it's been given another year and it seems to have kicked on but when he's come on for the first team he's sort of sat in a central midfield role and I think it was against Gillingham at home when he played there and he just would get on the ball and just sort of knock it from side to side really sort of really good vision good pass of the ball so he seems to be one that is is kicking on more than more than others at the moment and yeah the when you think about the ones that are kicking on, I mean, McGavin is obviously, you, you try and judge where the where the kind of young players are coming through. And really what tells you the most is how the manager uses them. And mm. for McGavin to have played these two games, um, looks like there's people coming through behind skews, which is something we've wondered about for um, a number of years, isn't it? So, as we say, we've survived the last chance. We've made the sub ready for... Extra time. We're going into the 94th minute, Joe. And bloody hell, Alan Judge is going to score. <laughs> so, I mean, this this only could have been better if this was at Norwich, couldn't it? Where or And on Sky, where you yeah. get rid of all the hoodoos in one go. But um, 
take us through this goal, Joe. We've got an attacking throwing down the left-hand side, and by God, they're going to go for it. Yeah, yeah. Ken Lock takes a throw into Thomas Hughes, who makes all the difference as as, as a substitute in changing the game. <laughs> <laughs> he knocks it back to Ken Lock. Ken Lock, <laughs> what's a pass? It's actually a decent ball down the, the line. Down, the one down the line is a good ball. To yeah. Giorgio, yeah, sort of right down the line. Giorgio gets there. Giorgio very deliberately pulls it back to El Mazzuni. And that's Joe, that's all one touch at quite good pace, isn't it? Yeah, and, and then El Mazzuni sort of, I, I think it's, he's just putting the ball across the box into a good area as opposed to the sort of passes before that. And it drops to Judge, who just runs across it and hammers it home left footed. So of. I think he's trying to find Keane. They get drawn by Keane, don't they? And it rolls mm. behind through perfectly for Judge. Did you notice Danassian? In he the, is loving in the, it. But he's in the box waiting, coming for the cross in the last minute. I mean, Statman had put up a thing of Fabian Wilness scoring at Coventry and everyone was saying, oh, look at the right back up in the last minute, total football. But what a brilliant moment, hey? Um, and the players loved it. You sort of saw from the reaction, judges needed that goal and I think it meant a hell of a lot to him. You sort of see there's some great photos of it in the sort of star and on the Twitter feed and it's just, you see all of them keen, Hughes, Denashian in the background and they're all delighted with that win it's not a oh yeah we won a game it, it looks like we won a massive game there and sort of great great to see how much it meant to the players and the sheer surprise as well Joe because I'm, I'm sure you must have bought into it a little bit like I did the, just the negativity the, the the narrative of oh here we go if we were going to beat them it was going to be in the home leg we've got to go off in the middle of the week Lincoln's a crap place to get to loads of speed cameras rubbish journey um Reserve team, we're going to lose. And during the game, it looked like they were building up ahead of steam. For me, it was just the the surprise of it all. It was like, oh, crap. You know, we've yeah. won. And um, really good to see um, Judge score as well. Yeah. Hopefully that is the moment that kickstarts this season. Yeah, if that's a thing. I don't, I don't know whether that's a thing, but um, we will see. So, away win number eight for the season, which is... Insane. Um, I don't know the last time we won eight away games um, in a season. No doubt it's 2014-15. But sixth away win by one goal to nil. And we just discussed before sort of the third um, really important late goal. Maybe the Peterborough one will turn out to be the most important of all of them when we get to the end of the season. But um, quite um, quite the fun story. And... Um, probably more engagement than we thought we would get from an FA Cup first round tie full stop really yeah and I think I saw another stat yesterday that when we played Coventry in the second round that would be the first time that two former winners have ever met before the third round really god Mm. so you'd have to be below yeah I'm sure it is yeah oh dearie me um so all that being said, would you like to hear some quotes from Paul Lambert, Joe? <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> Let me just I, make sure there's no children in the room. I changed the whole team. As I've said before, I don't have a, quote, strongest team. I don't have a strongest 11. I have belief in everybody to perform. I talk with the medical team, who are experts on fitness and muscle injuries, and I pick a team that I think lads can get around the pitch. And that's what we've done. I've said before, football's changed. It's not just about 18 guys, it's everybody. All this crap that people have turned around and said about a strongest team, a lot of shite. That's what it is, shite. 
in uh, very um, typically, oh, I don't want to offend any Scottish listeners, but said in a very Scottish way at the uh, at the end there. Um, I saw you tweet this morning, Joe, maybe a little bit um, irked by any of these quotes, or what was your view? I just, I don't think just winning an FA Cup game, first round replay when we should, could have easily won the first tie is a time to come out fighting and come out swinging against people because it's not like it's a massive achievement is it? it's not like we've just won promotion and it's like oh stick that up your ass all the people that have been saying this and saying that about me because I don't think there's even been that much criticism I think it's just more some people are a little bit I don't know perplexed sometimes by some of the team selections in the cups and like whilst I appreciate we need to get the squad fit We've now played three games in a row where none of our strongest eleven, because I will say there is a strongest eleven. You don't need to, you don't need to be a genius to work that out, because the strongest eleven includes your Luke Chambers, your Luke Wolfenden, Kane Vincent Young, Luke Garbert, Cole Skews, Flynn Downs, James Norwood, Caden Jackson. Like I say, that is eight players, and they are your strongest eleven, aren't they? And for all, like for me, this isn't rotation yet. We're not rotating the squad. We've got a we're playing the first team in the league and the second team in the cup. And while there's been a lot of cup games, that is working out fine. But now we're in a stage now where there's no Saturdays off till March. So now we will find out whether the players that have been playing in the cup games are going to be able to help us in the league. Because at the moment, they haven't really been helping us in the league. They haven't really had an opportunity to. So it's just interesting to see where it goes. But I worry personally that we've Blackpool have sort of on a good run they've been playing every week we've got them on Saturday and are we going to look rusty against them like we did against Doncaster like we did, did against Accrington like your Luke Chambers your Cole Skews your James Norwood your Caden Jacksons these guys have played what one game in a month many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Blue Monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with Mook Delivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hmm. Um, God, so much to say on that, isn't there? Uh, I agree with you. Um, 
about the rotation versus just a second eleven. I I agree with you on that. Rotating is rotating is what he's done with the centre backs really well, isn't it? That's <clears throat> rotating where you know it's kind of cycled round and three of them have been the main guys and and Ciala's got a couple of chances and then done the cup games. I remember hearing this debated. Um, it was Kelly Cates and Ian Wright, and Ian Wright was very much in your um, camp of no, you do have a strongest eleven. I, uh, if I was going to stand up for Lambert, Joe, I would say that possibly does he mean that you don't win the league just by having a strong eleven and playing it every week? Is that what he's more trying to say? And this season's going to be about, and we've said it before on here, Joe. We we're probably not the best team in the league, but we probably have the best resources to do this. And if we can use the resources well, we're probably going to get promoted. Is that more what he means rather than... Because, yes, you're, you're clearly right. Um, if a strongest eleven does exist, but maybe what he's saying is he can't play it every week? Potentially, but we have played it every week in the league, haven't we? And I'd, I'd imagine on Saturday and on Tuesday... We could sit here now and name eight or nine players that will start both games, bar barring injury, and I'd imagine that is what will happen. So it's just, like I said, we're now at a stage of the season where we're what twenty games in with regards to cup games, and maybe twenty-one games in, and you've got probably sort of twenty players that have played start at least five games. So we should be in a position where effectively anyone who hasn't been injured since the season started is now match fit and we can now start to sort of rotate the squad effectively for, throughout the rest of the season. There's no more international breaks till March that this is it. Now we are now in the slog of the league. So Lambert has got us in this position and it's up to him now to push on from here. Like I say, Wickham, we play them on Tuesday. They have a very small squad. They played Sunday against Tranmere. They played their first team. They played last night against Tranmere. They played their first team. They went to extra time. They're playing Saturday. They're going to play their first team. We're going to we're going to play them on Tuesday, and they're going, the players there are going to play, and they're an old older smaller squad, and they're going to play sort of four games in ten days. Where us we should be so fresh that we should be able to just comfortably sort of outrun them, and and hopefully that will lead us to victory. And like I said, against Tranmere, Akin Fenwa, after sixty minutes, he is totally gone he just doesn't have the fitness to get through 90 minutes in a high intensity game so hopefully later later on in the season is when all these international breaks and all this stop to start season that we've been having now is it should be when it starts now we now are at it if you're going to make an possibly inflammatory quote like like he has is this the time that you actually can do it in respect of he's qualified through to the um EFL. He's qualified for the second round. He's second in the league. Is there? I know we had a good point by Craig on Twitter when I tried to argue this before and said, "Well, you you don't know the negative of it mm. of it yet." Um, but from his point of view, so far he's played it perfectly because we've won the cup ties and we're second in the league. Would that be his defence? Yeah. yeah, it would. But I just think we've got two big, big home games coming up this week and. You can't like. Luckily, I think the fans are still very much on his side, and he's got a hell of a lot of goodwill, rightly so, that he's earned this year. But you can't have too many digs at the fans. You can't say too many things. Oh, I, I know what I'm doing, so I'm a genius, and 
there's always another game a few days later. There's always a chance for you to be made to look a fool by your comments, be hoisted by your own petard a couple of days later. And like I say, we we come out of these two home games with two points, and all of a sudden, this first eleven, this he, he sort of doesn't look doesn't look that sharp at the end of it. So I don't know. It's always there's always another game around the corner, and there's always another opportunity there. And I'd have just rather not have had that sort of comment against sort of members of the fan base because that's what Mick McCarthy used to do and it used to wind everyone up because there was never a great clarity between who he's talking about. It always was that one great mass of the fans. Mm. People are saying this, they are saying this, and it's a bit, come on, you're better than that, Paul. You're PR Paul, you know this. (laughs) Very good. Shall we go to the Twitter questions, Joe? Right. Matt making... Uh, did we really win an FA Cup tie tonight, or is this a hallucination brought on by a blow to the head? Have you had a blow to the head, Joe? Not that I can remember. I, I, I haven't either. So um, yes, we did actually win, Matt. Uh, this is Craig, who merely asks what happens now. I think um, we go. I think we go to Coventry with a reserve team again don't yeah. we, on Sunday. We, we we make 11 changes for Saturday. We maybe make three or four more for Tuesday night and then we make the further 11 changes for su- Sunday at Coventry or at Birmingham versus Coventry. Who do you think Joe is benefiting most from being in this reserve team? Is it somebody like Emma Hughes or Will Keane who's got a nice clear path back or is it more someone like Miles Kenlock who's not getting a chance and actually gets some minutes? Who's actually benefiting from this? I think I, I think they're only really benefiting fitness-wise because I can't imagine there was one player that could do enough last night or across the three cup games to get themselves into the starting eleven for Saturday's game. Like, what what would Will Keane have needed to do last night to get ahead of Norwood and Jackson for Saturday? What would Emmy Hughes have needed to do? Scored a hat trick probably. And. Do you think he'd have started? Had he scored a hat trick last night? No, he would have just came on ten minutes earlier than scheduled. Yeah, if we I were. think Dizelle's good for Dizelle. I know it's a shame that the England game clashed with the Colchester game, but really good that he was able to play that one and not really play the second one to give him another chance. Because I th- I, he's probably the main beneficiary because he's a player that has, keeps missing these games where he's in that second eleven but hasn't been playing because every time a second eleven game comes along he's away with England so it's good that he's had a, he's had two games there he'll he'll have another game against Coventry next week so good for him. Um, Jack asks Joe, was it good to see our weakened team be a strong League One team like Lincoln? Is it is it even relevant because will that will those players is is it is it good for these guys to go away to a stadium like that, knowing that some of them might be? When do we go back there? Like Christmas time, isn't it? Christmas, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think yes. Yeah, winning, winning any game of football is a positive, and sort of showing that our second eleven can be. I wouldn't say they're a strong League One team. They, they sort of, uh, but to sh- to go there and beat a League One team away from home shows what strength and depth we've got, and to keep a clean sheet is good for. Holly, your Ken Locks, your Dinashians, your NCRs, those guys, they'll only grow in confidence. Winning is a habit and it's important to keep doing it. ITFC Wales, um, I pretty much hijacked his question saying uh, which of the players. He also asks thoughts on ITFC flop Kiefer Moore qualifying for Euro 2020. So um, Kiefer Moore signed 
for Wigan from Barnsley, having been Barnsley's top scorer last season. Just got his first goal for Wigan um, this past week. He's got into the Wales team. Um, I think there's a lot of revisionist history on Kiefer Moore. Um, and he wasn't good in the games. I, I always remember him coming on against Norwich and looking so, so out of his depth. I don't know whether he just needed more games or he wasn't he wasn't fit. So I cannot sit here and say I I also thought he wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna do anything. I think Joe, the bit where I was annoyed was when he got the goals for for Barnsley on uh, Rotherham, excuse me, on loan and um it seemed like he wasn't even going to walk through the door um, that, oh, well, well, we'll take a profit and, and on we go. Yeah. Um, that seemed the, the time we could have done something. But what's your view on Kiefer Moore? Well, he, he struggled when he signed here. And I think there was a number of reasons for that. Firstly, he was playing in the National League South when he signed here and then came up, jumped up four leagues, which is always going to be incredibly difficult. Secondly, we'd sold Daryl Murphy in August we didn't get anyone over the line to replace him. And all we're hearing throughout the sort of winter is in January, there's going to be a new sign and our new striker is going to be here. And then all of a sudden it's first week of January and Kiefer Roberto Francesco Moore <laughs> <laughs> turns up for a 20,000 pound fee. And he's a big man. It's like, this is not Leon best as Murphy's replacement is bad enough, but at least best had some caliber. This guy is nothing really. And, and he's, and he came on and he, and he looked poor and I think maybe sort of the fact he had a sort of trained with us probably had to get his fitness up to a total different level from where he was and came back in pre-season and I think he had a couple of days here and then went off to Rotherham and started scoring for fun for them throughout pre-season throughout the league I think he was a top scorer in the country at one point and then I like think, you say, Joe, just... I think he had virtually 20 before Christmas didn't he yeah, had something like eighteen or something like that. He was he had had a brilliant record there, and I sort of the the, the I remember speaking to someone who was sort of quite close to the club and sort of saying, "Why are we selling him?" And basically, I think Evans had said to McCarthy, "Is he going to be starting for us?" Mick was saying, "Well, no, I've got Waghorn, Garner, Sears, McGoldrick," and Evans was like, "Well, I've got money on the table for him, and if he's not in our front four strikers, then we'll take the money," which we did, and. I think it was seven hundred and fifty thousand. Well, I think they overpaid Joe because the Barnsley takeover had just recently happened, mm. and they were trying to make this statement signing, weren't they? Yeah, well, still seven hundred fifty thousand doesn't get you a lot, does it? In, no, fair. It, with strikers, like I'm sure the money ball and the soccernomics strikers are overpriced, and seven hundred fifty thousand for someone who's got twenty goals in the best part of half a season. Is right, fair comment. Fair comment. There, so but I've I've watched him for Wales a couple of times. He's looked good. He he. I, those those big players always always cause problems in sort of Europe and in internationals. Your Peter Crouches and your Jan Collars, players oh, like that. Jan Collar, they just don't always know how to defend against mention. them, and they just they just panic, don't they? And you sort of see you see a long ball come up, and rather than sort of try and get their body in position, try and win the header, they Pull, commit tug, themselves, yeah. dive, jump, and it's like. And keep them all, like I say, Wales that they've been struggling in the qualification period and I sort of watch watch most of their games and he sort of totally transformed the team in how he would just win the balls hold it up and let the players play where they, they didn't have that focal point to play off and that is so important so I say he, he deserves it he's done he's done really well at club level and he's sort of he stepped up to international level and has looked a decent player and 
I'm sure he'll make an impact at the Euro 2020 because defenders will not know what to do when they see this six foot six guy who's built like a brick outhouse and knows knows how to use his body now. And do you agree with me? Just I'm being a bit cantankerous, but I, I do think some people are being wise after the event. Any anyone who could tell he was a player from what he did with us, fair enough after the Barnsley and Rotherham. But yeah. I'm seeing a lot of people say he didn't get a chance. He get which is true, but um, as you kind of reasonably said, he, he he wasn't wasn't great for us. It was elsewhere where. where yeah, was, well, I, I think I don't think anyone. I think the, when when it was announced early in pre-season he was going to go out on loan, I think everyone thought, oh, that's a good move. Good idea, yeah. Good, good move for us, good move for him, and that will work. And But when a player goes out on loan and scores that many goals, one level below us, then you think, well, actually, let, let's have... He's, he's our player. Let's get him in the building and have a look at him. Mm. Um, Tony Storton says, love the show, guys. I think he may have meant to message the Naked Football show with, with that one. That's... That's um that's a GV gimmick, isn't it? Do you think the post-international break curse has been lifted for good? This, of course, game kind of coming after an international yeah, break, despite the d- fact we it... played. Um, there wasn't a full full gap, was there, Joe? So does it really count? Well, I think this is why the game. I think that's why we moved it to the Wednesday because it meant it was post the international break, so we could have some players back, but. I don't think this counts as a post-international break game. I think that that game is Saturday and we'll, hopefully the curse will be lifted. Sort of and touch wood. Tony also asks about the, the live sky curse on on New Year's Day. And I, I know Tony's been kind of, he's kind of having a bit of fun with it. But is there something to be said for this season? And we've been very average for most of the last, well, 15 years, give one season where we, scrape the playoffs and then lost um so that's a bit unfair to Mick but you know you know what I mean it wasn't yeah we, we didn't finish fourth in the league and score a whole ton of points we snuck in sixth didn't we um is there something to be said for actually breaking some of these um things and having more of a winning mentality well that, that was sort of the biggest challenge for Lambert and one that he has managed to turn around quite quickly i know he i know we still got the international break and the sky curses but the reality is for the last three seasons we haven't looked like a team that's going to win a win games we've turned up we've, we we have won games over the past three seasons not as many as any fans would have liked especially the last season but we've come in this year and like i know that was in the cup but we've won seven out of nine away games that is an unbelievable record whether they're one nil whether they're a bit lucky it doesn't matter like winning you see how many teams get relegated and it takes them a few months to get going when they've got the like even even like Rotherham who have yo-yoed between league one and the championship they've got the same manager should know exactly took, what they're doing shouldn't they <laughs> no, it, took, it took them a while to get going Sunderland they've got a massive budget but they, they, they just can't win games and our start to the season has been so impressive like we, we're going to be in the top two come the end of Tuesday whatever happens we could lose both games and still be in the top two but so we're what are we five points ahead of third four points ahead of third with two games in hand if we just sort of play as we're going to we're going to go up this year and not many teams bounce back I know I know they've started to but not many teams that have been as bad as we were last year and not much better the sort of two years preceding that, but we, we were the sort of the, what the second or third worst team the championship has ever seen, and we're sort of now the could be the best team League One has ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> um, <it's> super. <laughs> 
<laughs> Super Franz asks, when is the campaign for the Alan Judge statue being launched? Um, I'm going to be very cruel to Alan because he's only a little guy, so it wouldn't be an expensive statue, would it? We wouldn't need sort of like a, an Oscar. Yeah, we wouldn't need as much um, expensive material as we would for a Kevin Beatty or or a Kiefer Moore statue. But yeah, we're all very very happy for Judge and. Um, Okay, he may not turn into Brentford 2014 Alan Judge again, but if he's 66.66% of that player, then um, well, I'm sure we'll get a few more goals and assists and key passes. Um, Andy asks, Will Keane, Alan Judge, Emir Hughes, are they our best players? And if so, will they start fulfilling their potential? I think all three of those players could be very big players for us this season. And and if they are, if, if those three players can start sort of 20 games each between now and the end of the season, we're going to be in a very good place because it means they're playing well. And if they're playing well, there's not many players at this level are going to be of that quality. I think they are. And they could, uh, they could easily be our three best players quite easily once it, once everyone's fit, including them. But I don't know. I'm just, I'm just very, very keen for Emir Hughes to start playing in the league. Cause I think he's needs to get that run of games to really get himself going. Yeah. There's a point where you just got to go for it and, put him in isn't it um I and I think um judge proven at championship level albeit a few years before and I remember being at Wigan last year and I think Will Keane had got his third or fourth goal for us and was just getting going and it looked like he was a championship ready striker I guess all just down to um health and injuries isn't it um Dan C asks if you could pick one player from the FA Cup winning team to put into the current squad who would it be I assume we're talking 1978 yeah okay I'll narrow it down to three players does it have to be the 1978 version of this player as well what you're talking or can about? you just have him in his prime well yeah you could just you could just take the beat couldn't you 1978 BT because he's the greatest player in our history so just get him in there and play But him. the 1978 version, even though Dave talks about the 1981 version, still doing the same thing and yeah. rest up, rest up and win the UEFA Cup. Yeah. But yeah. I think, I think, well, yeah, you bring the beat in and play him left back, just rampaging up and down that <laughs> flank, get you 20, 20 goals from left back. <laughs> I saw James Milner play for Liverpool at Milton Keynes and he played left back. And I, I remember coming out of that game and said, if James Milner played left back in league one, he'd score 25 goals in the season. Yeah, <laughs> it was ridiculous. Um, is the beat too too straightforward an answer there, Joe? Yeah, if not the beat, I'd I'd say either Paul Mariner as a sort of striker, just because he, well, obviously he'd walk this league because he was an England quality striker, but <laughs> John just Walk, that, just that type of player, that hold up player, big guy, put himself about and score goals is just. Those sort of players are worth an absolute bomb these days and him. Or maybe Mick Mills, just because he's so versatile and left back, right back. I still think at left back, we're a bit weak. Get, get him there and all of a sudden a position of weakness becomes a position of strength and his leadership quality too. Fantasy stuff. Uh, Mike says, clean sheet for a defence containing Inciala, Danassian and Kenlock. Does that, uh, what does that do to the futures of those players? Does that get... Um, I mean, Danassian's got this mammoth task with Kane Vincent Young ahead of him. Ken Locke's probably got more chance, hasn't he, with Garbutt possibly shuffling forward or maybe going right forward when we play 4-3-3. Um, Enciala, maybe less so. What's your view, Joe? 
I'd say Danassian. I think over the over the three cup games, he's he's done enough for me to be Kane Vincent Young's backup, as opposed to Guion Edwards playing there. I think Danassian has shown enough defensively and even enough going forward to to cover that. So I think that's a success for him over these games. Ken Locke, again, he hasn't really done much wrong across these three games. He's still shown he's good on the ball and that. And remember, he's got a three year contract, so getting something out of him is is in our interest. So he's shown he's a decent enough backup left back. Enciala, he hasn't really had the best of times in these games, including last night. I think it was sort of Brenner, sort of two or three times was oh, terrible from Enciala. And I say he's just very much a fourth choice centre back now, isn't he? Behind Chambers, Wolfie, and James Wilson. He is that fourth man, and that's not a good position to be in. Um, ben asks. Will Lambert, the, the wording of this question is going to trigger you, Joe. Will Lambert take our game against Coventry in the FA Cup, quote, more seriously? Can he justify rotating the squad? I think if you said to Paul Lambert, he'd say, well, I'm winning in the Cup, so I am taking it seriously. I'm taking the league seriously. So, um, But you said earlier in the show that it will be full strength against Blackpool, maybe two or three switched against Wickham and then back come Holly and Kenlock and, and Ciala and yeah. uh, one or other. Well, well, we've got the silly situation again, haven't we, where we're going to have two league games close by where we're going to play pretty much the same team. And then we've got two cup games straight away where we're going to play pretty much the same team. And yet we're going to claim it's squad rotation when it's not, is it? It's just a league team and a cup a team. team, but and, a cup team. It, and we're going to have the situation. Say, it's, it's going to be 11th changes, isn't it? And Joe I playing Coventry twice in a week probably with two different teams yeah and i say it i'm 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 at peace with what we're doing in the cups i think i think we've it's worked quite well having what three four fives we're gonna have had seven cup games after the peterborough game and i think that that's that's worked in our favor it hasn't really affected us like it would some teams because we just have we have just been playing second teams and it's affected us positively even if the game last night had gone to extra time all that meant is that the 11 players that started that game get an extra 30 minutes in their legs it doesn't mean oh no we've got a league game saturday and our players have got an extra 30 minutes playing tonight because they won't be playing it's a totally different team so I so say I'm, I'm I'm not I, like I say I, I do talk about the cup teams and I was disappointed with the Lincoln at home team I thought that wasn't needed with the run of fixtures we had around it but I, th- I think it's the right thing to do to rest the players for the FA Cup game next week and and the leasing.com definitely you, you need to rest them for that because you've got a big league game coming up on the Saturday and that's the Wednesday this Peterborough one really intrigues me though Joe because arguably both teams could take the same attitude of we don't want the extra games coming up through the uh, you know the late winter into the spring in the in the lease and you, you could get both teams not really bothered about winning that one which would be quite the spectacle yeah well it? i think um like peterborough had a 15 year old score for them the other night was that in the fa cup i think on tuesday night so they're obviously making changes to protect their league team and i'd imagine both us and peterborough will be making 10 11 changes from the from the league team for the game and you can't really blame either side for doing so Mm, interesting. Uh, Tim hopefully asks, we win, hopefully we win that, and then we've got another cup game later in the season where the eleven players that aren't playing have another chance to get some minutes under their belt. And <laughs> I'm not saying I'm not saying that facetiously or anything. I think, it, I think it's 
I think staying in the cups is is doing us favours at the moment, and I even think the replay with Lincoln has done us favours because it's got another ninety minutes for Wilkeen, for Emir Hughes, for Andre Dazelle, for the the backup fullbacks. They're, they're all getting minutes because of our cup runs. And Kieran Dyer was on Life's a Pitch on Saturday saying twenty eight is too big for a squad, and without these cup games, you are not going to be able to keep this squad happy unless you are properly rotating. And if we stay in the cups, we it keep it's a chance to keep everyone happy, so I'm not disappointed with it. Some good mentions this um this episode, Joe. You haven't topped Yang Collie yet, but um <laughs> uh, Tim asks um Judge is now time that he know uh, I can't read this. Is now time that he knows on confidence from a goal being the key. That seems like Yoda said that or something. I assume Tim is saying is he now um is he now back? He is back, a hundred percent. No, no, I, 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 like Alan Judge. If he, if he can play to his potential in this league, he's going to be one of the best players in it. And hopefully, this goal and he has been playing better in recent weeks. And hopefully, this goal will be another thing pushed him in the right direction. Um, Arthur, did we? Arthur, he does as he pleases. You know that one, Christopher Cross, all of his life. His master's toys. Christopher Cross, he got a Grammy for that album. D- Dudley Moore's in the movie Arthur. You must have seen it. No, I haven't seen the movie Arthur. Oh. Um at Joe Fairs on Twitter, someone buy him like an iTunes voucher thing so he can watch um Arthur. I'm sure it'd be about two pounds ninety five or something. Um Arthur asks, um, did we see last night the benefit of having two quality keepers competition from Norris has surely forced Holly to raise his game and we saw the result of that last night Holly dropped after that Rotherham mm. game has has this in a weird way worked because he played very well um I, I think he would I think he was playing well anyway to be honest I, I, I don't think it's really um made the difference but as was was always the case with Bart and Dean Gherkin here. You want you want a decent keeper in reserve to keep your main one on your toes. And both Thomas Holly and Will Norris have both played well when they've been called upon. I think they've they seem to get on from the little bits you see off the pitch. And sort of Will Norris was man of the match when I was up there, and he sort of said how well Tom had been playing and sort of good guy. And they train well together. And it's his turn at the moment. He knows at some point that will flip back. So yeah. It's, it's good to have competition for places, and that includes in goal. Which Holly did you prefer in Red Dwarf? Because it's Norman Lovett in the early seasons where he's everybody's dead, Dave, but then there's Hattie Haybridge, the female one. Later. I'm not much of a Red Dwarf fan, sorry. Oh, OK. He's not going to answer that one then. Um, tweet, at Benjamin Bloom, um, <laughs> for your nerdy Comic-Con Red Dwarf fix. Speaking of nerdy Comic-Con type people... Mikey Penty Smith's name has just come up on the on the phone. He hates being called a nerd. He's got an issue with the headsets, hasn't he? He, he thinks that you can only play Call of Duty in this headsets. Big hello to yeah. Mikey. Um, but he's asked a really good question. Um, what was life like for you both the last time we won an FA Cup game? Uh, so where's that date? January 2010. Um, I was in my first year at uni. Couldn't grow a beard. He's, got, he's just drawing attention to the fact that he has a good beard now. Um, and was drinking Sainsbury's Basics cider twice a week. Um, Joe, January 2010. What did what did life look like for Joe? Um, I actually I missed I missed the Blackpool game because it was like my first anniversary with my girlfriend. So I was like, oh, I can't I can't really go away to Blackpool for the weekend. The, the one you married, yeah. Or yeah, oh, good, and good. So, subsequently, I've been I'm now I've been 
So from a first anniversary, I've now been married seven years with two kids, two houses, not at the same time, obviously, one, one at a time. But yeah, so life has moved on quite a lot from being up in my parents' bedroom and having my girlfriend stay around. And oh, you could keep quiet, haven't drink. you? I was still drinking Sainsbury cider, though. Sneaker in, sneaker out, yeah. Um, God, 2010. So I was 28. Can't even think what I was doing then. No, it's probably not a fun answer, but obviously I've moved a couple of times um, and ended up in Bedfordshire since um, we last won an FA Cup game. So I'm sure some other people have got some more interesting answers. Um, Mullet, last one here. Of all the potential squad trimming, either loans or permanently, how many will be her signings? <laughs> Still going on about Paul Lad. How many will be her signings out the door in January? Now we've had so many Cup games to see what everyone can do i mean if you look through that 11 is anyone really playing for their playing for their future there joe i wouldn't say so because i think the only people you'd say are playing for their futures are maybe your sort of genoid donatians and i don't think he's got a future regardless of how well he plays i think he's now our back potentially back to our backup right back but if if somebody offered Lambert fifty quid for him, I think he'd sell him. <laughs> so he's just he's just not he's just not a player he rates, is he? And like I said, there's not really the sort of Jordan Roberts didn't play. I'd imagine he's another one that's probably free to go if if he can get a club. But can I stand up for Hurst on that one? Hurst always said that's like a project, didn't he? So. Yeah, and, and I, he he hasn't let us down. And I'd have I think we'd have probably been a bit better last night if he was fit and able to play with Keane up front last night. So I don't know he's a uh, Decent pro, but he's not he's not enough to take us forward, is he? And I'm sure he won't. Right, Joe, let's look at these next um, five games now because we've banged on about rotation. And now here we go. Um, it's, I mean, I call them three game weeks. It's not six games in two weeks. It's five games in two weeks. But my point being that within the span of a Saturday to Saturday, you play three games. So it's going to be Blackpool, who are fifth, um, at home this coming Saturday. Wickham, who are top and flying on the Tuesday. Um, then we get a break to the Sunday. So, I mean, the spacing is, is what it is for five games in two weeks. Um, so that's Coventry away. Then Peterborough away, which you rightly said has now been announced for the Wednesday, the 4th. And then back to Cov, well, Birmingham, in the league. Oh, are we going to have a lot of people either being very smug for criticising the rotation or going very quiet if this five games goes well? Well, hopefully the latter. I don't think people will be smug or some will if, if it goes wrong. But I'd say realistically, we're going to have the first team. I know we don't have a strongest team, apparently, but that team <laughs> is going gonna, gonna to play Saturday, Tuesday, then have a break till the following Saturday and then we're going to have a second team come in and play Sunday, Wednesday and like I say you could win all five of those games couldn't you I don't think we will but if we win the three league games there then we are home and hosed well it's it's direct rivals and we've talked about or I've talked about points per game being less important when someone could get 85 points and still finish third and losing the playoffs this season. So when you do come up against Blackpool, Wickham and Coventry in short order, um, it's now more about a draw is actually okay because you're not shedding the three points to a 
to a direct rival. Whereas I'd normally say, okay, lose one, win one, draw one, take four points from the from the hard games. But um, I suspect Blackpool is the easiest of those three league games. And I think from what you've said, you expect full steam ahead, 4-4, F in two, strongest 11. And you win the first one, it sets everything off, hopefully, doesn't it? Hopefully, yeah. Like I say, if you pick up five points, seven points, if you don't lose any of those three games, we're, we're going to be like seven points clear of third, probably with a game in hand at the end of that. And like I say, that is that is massive at this stage of the season. And like I say, I'd... I, I, I don't see us losing at home to one of these two games this week. We might we might struggle, but I just I, I don't think we're going to lose one of our home games. And Coventry, while they're still up up there, have not been on good, good form at all lately, have they? I know they won last week. No, they're trending that, downwards, aren't they? Yeah. They are. They're sort of their sort of squad maybe is caught up with them. And like I say, Wickham have got a tiny squad. Blackpool have got a small squad. This is where this is where our squad should be taken over because. We, we should be fresher with all this squad rotation stuff and we, we should we should be fresher now than these teams coming into these games and we've got to try and make sure we get the balance right between being fresh and being match fit are we going to have any more cup games this season after this little run of five games probably i don't because we'll probably get a draw in the fa cup game and <laughs> it, but like I'd, 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 joe we'll get a draw and then we'll draw birmingham away so it'll be the same yeah. stadium again. Yeah. No, it'd be... I'd, I'd like to win both the cup games. And I think I think our reserves are capable of beating Peterborough reserves. And that's what the game will realistically be. And I think... I don't know I don't know how Coventry have been rotating for the cups, but I could... I'd say I could quite easily see them not wanting to show us their full hand ahead of the league game and making changes. We'll be making changes. We could, we could easily win that. And it'd be, it'd be good for the good for the team if we do that two more games for the squad to keep fitting very interesting so very interesting time coming up five games in the two weeks um i'm sure we will be across all of it but i just need richard to tell me how we're going to do that um who's on at the weekend joe is it me and you again um, me and dave i can't I think, think it's you and dave i think is it? yeah so um yeah, we will be keeping abreast of everything. Um, we may we'll try and get the Coventry show in on the Sunday night. Yeah, I'm sure that will be doable. It's not too far, is it? Um, but yeah, lots of good stuff coming up. Um, Joe, give a quick plug for um, Academy stuff. And are there any games coming up that you're going to be at that other people may not be at? Not that I'm aware of. I, I, yeah, I, I don't think we've got any. We, we drew 1-1 with Colchester at under-23 level today, but that was there was only three players that weren't under-18s in that team. So that was effectively an under-18s game there. We've got, I don't know, I, I, I haven't looked at the fixtures, but um, the cup game isn't scheduled yet. I think there's a under-18s game against Framlingham Town at some point soon. But when, when I look, I'll, t- I'll tweet it all from the account anyway. ITFC underscore academy. Lovely stuff. Um, you can follow me at Benjamin Bloom, um, but don't do that. Follow at Blue Monday ITFC because it's it's not all about me, Joe, is it? It's about the show and it's about our wonderful team of. <laughs> there is no I in Ipswich Town, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and our wonderful team of podcasters that we have put together. Um, 
in our fifth season, like we say, to bring you all of these wonderful happens. Episode 333 today. Can you imagine how many hours that is? Probably like 500 hours, given how much we go on. Um, thank you, everybody, for tuning in on this momentous first FA Cup win um, in nearly 10 years. Uh, we'll be back on Sunday. Do get questions in when you see the tweet come out. Joe, would you like to have the last word on this FA Cup winning podcast? Kesara, Sarah. Name on the trophy. <laughs> It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, but in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.